and welcome to the 109th episode of the podcast F4. We're calling it that since it's easier to say than food and frightening film fanatics. Before we get started, our usual disclaimer, heavy spoilers ahead. Turn back now if you haven't seen these movies. This week we're talking about a franchise that doesn't get as much attention as others, and that's the Poltergeist franchise. There are four films in the series, so it's three films in a trilogy and then a remake. Typically when you think of horror franchises, you think of Freddy, Jason, Michael Myers, um, but I don't hear as many people talking about Poltergeist, which is a shame because after going back and watching these movies, um, the first one's definitely a lot of fun still. So let's dig in and talk about Poltergeist. The first movie was from 1982, directed by Toby Hooper, who of course did Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and written and produced by Steven Spielberg. Although there's some question to if he really co-directed the movie, he was under contract not to direct anything else while he was doing E.T. This is one of Spielberg's few writing credits. Starring Joe Beth Williams, Craig T. Nelson, uh, playing Carol Ann is the youngest daughter is Heather O'Rourke. Playing the oldest daughter is Dominique Dunn, who played Dana. And Dominique Dunn, just so you know, was also Dominique Dunn's daughter. We'll talk about her more later, but he uh, was a contributor to Vanity Fair um, and did a number of other things. And then the brother, Robbie, is played by Oliver Robbins. Zelda Rubenstein plays psychic Tangina. Then the second movie is Poltergeist 2, The Other Side from 1986, so four years later, directed by Brian Gibson. Back are Joe Beth Williams, Craig T. Nelson, Heather O'Rourke, and also Zelda Rubenstein is back, and a new character, Taylor, played by Will Sampson. Poltergeist 3 from 1988, so that is two years later, directed by Gary Sherman. The original family, only Carol Ann Returns. Starring in this one is Tom Skerritt and Nancy Allen. You remember them from both of lots and lots of things. Nancy Allen, of course, I don't know, might be most famous for RoboCop. And Laura Lynn Boyle as the couple's daughter. Also back, at least for a few scenes, is Zelda Rubenstein. And lastly, Poltergeist from 2015. This is the remake. Produced by Sam Raimi, Rob Tabert, and of course they did Evil Dead, Xena, Spider-Man, etc., and Roy Lee. Directed by Gil Kennan, starring Sam Rockwell, Rosemary Witt, I'm sorry, Rosemary Dewitt, Jared Harris, and Jane Adams, and she plays a psychic uh, ghost hunter. Where to find these movies? The first one and the remake will cost you $4 on most sites such as Amazon Prime, Vudu, Redbox, etc. The other two are currently available on Tubi for free. Rotten Tomatoes. The first Poltergeist movie critics gave it an 88%. Audiences gave it a 79 so that's pretty high. Poltergeist 2 critics gave it a 20 Audiences gave it a 35 Poltergeist 3 critics gave it a 17 Audiences gave it a 22 and Poltergeist the Remake, critics gave it a 29, audiences gave it a 22. 
So usually what you see with any franchise, the first movie's really high, and then they keep uh, getting worse after that, and then a remake comes along after a few years. So the plot. Poltergeist is a classic haunted house movie. The Freeling family, so as we said, that includes Father Steve, Mother Diane, and the three kids, Dana, Robbie, and Carol Ann, move into a new subdivision. Strange things start to happen. The youngest child, Carol Ann, is being communicated with via the static on the TV set and is eventually pulled into the spirit world through her closet. The family tries to get her back and hires uh, first a team of... a professor, I think, who is a uh, head of the paranormal department, and she has some assistance. First hires hers, and then she sees that she is in over her head, so she brings in Tangina. The entity that wants Carol Ann's life force is called the Beast, according to Tangina. So that doesn't sound good. The father is told that the subdivision was built on a cemetery, but that the bodies were moved before building. But is that true? Nope, it is not. We find out, after all this bad stuff starts to happen, that they just moved the tombstones and left the bodies there. The mother finds out in a big way when she, when all this stuff starts happening, she ends up outside and they're digging up a place at a swimming pool and she falls into the water there and then a bunch of unhappy rotting corpses pop up and surround her in the pool. That's a really good scene. I think it still holds up well. Uh, One thing I liked about this movie is you think the problem is resolved after Diane goes into the other dimension and pulls Carol Ann back out. But nope, that's a fake out because that's actually, after that is when all the corpses and the coffins start popping up outside in the swimming pool, like I just said, but also inside the house. They're just everywhere. So I thought that was a fun little twist. In the second movie, the family is still trying to avoid the beast, This time, the story has been retooled from the problems being caused by a house being built on the cemetery to being built over a cave where in the 1800s, a crazy preacher named Henry Kane led an end-of-the-world cult and then killed all of them by trapping them inside the cave. He is the one that has um, everybody trapped, as I said, and he wants Carol Ann because she's a psychic. In this movie, we find out that all the women in their family are psychic, so Carol Ann, her mom Diane, and then Diane's mother. This time around, the family gets the help of a Native American shaman named Taylor, who I already mentioned, and Tangina is back for a few as well. In the third movie, only Carol Ann returns, and she's now living with her Ann, as I said, played by Nancy Allen. That is Diane's sister Pat, who I don't think we heard mention of in the first movie or if we did I didn't notice it um the uncle Bruce and then teenage cousin Donna and they live in a high-rise in Chicago Kane uses the various mirrors in the building because the whole building's like made out of mirrors to try to get to Carol Ann Tangina psychically knows something is wrong and flies co- cross country to help she is sadly killed when fighting Kane but she seems to be successful in getting him to go into the lot Carol Ann's therapist, Dr. Seaton, is also killed by the ghosts, or whatever they are, by being pushed down an empty elevator shaft. And lastly, the remake. So the remake is basically the same plot, but with different names. Um, a little more fast-paced than the original movie and moves the jump scares around a bit. In the first movie, you know, all the... 
I mean, it started out, the pace was, I thought was actually pretty good for a 1980s movie, um, but all the really heavy hitting stuff is towards the end in the third act. So, obviously, uh, updated tech in the remake. So they have, you know, iPhones, tablets, drones, and the spirits here can also move through anything electrical. There's a really fun scene with a power drill. And there's more use of skeletons in the remake versus the, the original. So that's the basic plot of all four movies. On to trivia. Um, I'm not including the trivia for the other movies, just the original Poltergeist movies, because I don't want this to be too long. Um, but here's probably the stuff that uh, most people know about. If you talk to people about Poltergeist... They will probably mention the poltergeist curse. There have been five deaths total. Two of the film's cast members were subsequently murdered. Dominique Dunn, who I mentioned a second ago, who played Dana, was strangled by her boyfriend, former boyfriend John Thomas Sweeney, in the driveway of her West Hollywood home on October the 30th, 1982. And after having been declared brain dead, died five days later at the age of 22. So that's very sad. Um, after this happened, Dominique Dunn would appear on a number of uh, crime shows talking about uh, crime and, and, you know, victims' rights and all that. So that's a very sad story. Also, Lou Perryman, who plays, who is credited as Pugsley, one of the guys who works for Dr. What's her name? Is it Lee? Lear? The um, professor from the university that first comes over. He was killed by a guy, a 26-year-old guy named Seth Thomas, no, Seth Christopher Tatum in Austin, Texas on August the 1st, 2009. Um, so that's sad and uh, also a bit bizarre. Besides those two deaths, three more people have died in or around the film. The rest were the result, though, of long-term chronic illnesses. So Julian Beck, who played Kane in Poltergeist 2, died in 1985 after a long battle with stomach cancer. Will Sampson, who played Taylor in Poltergeist 2, died of complications from a heart-lung transplant. And Heather O'Rourke, who played, of course, Carol Ann, died in 1988 at the age of 12 from cardiac arrest caused by septic shock from a bowel obstruction caused by intestinal stenosis that was misdiagnosed as Crohn's disease. So very sad. She was just 12. Of the other main cast members, though, in the three films, all of them are still currently alive. So Joe Beth Williams, Craig T. Nelson, Tom Skerritt... Uh, although he's getting up there in years, I think, and Nancy Allen. So that's kind of a strange thing, the Poltergeist curse. Uh, Poltergeist was the first, no, the first movie, uh, won several awards. No, well, let me back up. Did not win several awards, but was nominated for several awards, but of course was also up that year against E.T. So E.T. ended up with most of the awards. Here's the second thing most people know about Poltergeist, besides Poltergeist curse. Real human skeletons were used in the swimming pool scene since the crew decided it would be too complicated to get fake ones and too expensive. Joe Beth Williams was not made aware of this until after the scene was finished. That's pretty creepy. 
Drew Barrymore was considered for the role of Carrie Ann, but Steven Spielberg wanted someone who was more angelic. It was Barrymore's audition, though, for this role that landed her the part of Gertie in E.T. Poltergeist was the highest-grossing horror film of 1982 and the eighth-highest-grossing film of the year. Originally, when they were... Um, Kind of mapping this out, Toby Cooper, Steven Spielberg, and the screenwriters had planned to kill off Carol Ann in the first act, and then she would haunt the house in the second. They eventually decided this was too dark and opted to have her kidnapped by the ghost instead. In fact, they eventually removed so many of the darker elements because Spielberg wanted a PG rating for the film so it could work as a double feature with E.T. that no one ends up dying in this movie at all. The only casualty is the pet bird, Tweety, that ends up dying at the beginning. There are, of course, uh, some injuries, but no deaths of people. Jo Beth Williams had a supernatural experience during making the film. Whenever she came home from filming, the pictures on the walls of the house were crooked. Every time she fixed them, they would become crooked again. Zelda Rubenstein also had an experience with a vision that her dog came to her and said goodbye. Hours later, her mother called her and told Rubenstein that her dog had passed away that very day. Steven Spielberg, uh, as I said, has writing credits for this, but they had originally asked Stephen King if he was interested in writing the screenplay. This would have been his first, obviously not his first job writing, but first job writing a screenplay, but the parties could not agree on the terms. Uh, here's something else interesting. We've mentioned E.T. a number of times, but originally both of these movies started out as a one film called Night Skies about a family in the countryside being terrorized by evil aliens. However, one of the aliens would befriend the family's youngest child and turn on its own to protect the family. Due to troubles with several tonal clashes, it was decided that the concept of the alien befriending a child and a family being terrorized by supernatural forces would become two separate movies. Dr. Lesh, I don't know what I called her a second ago, I think I called her Dr. Lear, played by Beatrice Strait, made the point that the paranormal activity at the Freeling house was probably a poltergeist when she first got there, not a haunting since poltergeists typically are associated with a person and hauntings are associated with a place. However, this assessment is revealed to be incorrect when Stephen realizes the house was built on a cemetery. That means it was actually a haunting and not a poltergeist. The original movie's been in a number of best of lists, including the New York Times, Best 1,000 Movies Ever Made, American Film Institute's Top 100 Most Heart-Pounding American Movies, 1,000 Movies You Must See Before You Die, etc. Uh, eight very similar movies came out during the 1982-83 period about families battling the supernatural. This haunted house mini-cycle included the following movies, Poltergeist, The Entity, The House Where Evil Dwells, The Demon Murder Case, Don't Go to Sleep, Amityville 2, The Possession, Amityville 3D, and a segment of Creep Show called Father's Day. Two of these movies starred Oliver Robbins, who played Robbie, and that's Poltergeist and Don't Go to Sleep. 
Three of them were about a suburban family of five. I won't read those. Um, three of the movies have a team of paranormal experts coming in and helping him, and that's Poltergeist, The Entity, and Amityville 3D. There has never been a year with more haunted house-themed movies in movie history as this one. The word poltergeist is spoken three times by three different characters, Diane, Dr. Lesh, and Marty. And if you happen to call across this series, Poltergeist the Legacy from 1996, it focuses on paranormal activity, and it came out after the Poltergeist 3 movie, but even though it has poltergeist in the title, it has nothing to do with this franchise. There are also a number of other movies floating around that have the word poltergeist in them. Again, have nothing to do with this franchise. Here's something creepy. The inspiration for the story of the movie, of course written by Steven Spielberg, was inspired by an actual occurrence in Denver, Colorado. In the late 1800s, when Denver was expanding, there was a graveyard where the city government wanted to put in a grand city park like um, Central Park in New York. And... The city put out notices for bids to relocate the cemetery and decided on the lowest bidder. About a third way through the project, the contractor realized that he had seriously underbid the project and, long story short, started moving just the headstones. He completed the job and the city started building what they were building and they were getting close to finishing when one of the contractor's employees spilled the beans. The contractor was arrested, but the damage was done. The city was not able to afford to tear down the building they had already built and dig up the cemetery again, so they left it as it was and just finished the project, leaving the unmarked graves underneath the building. The park is called Chessman, or Cheeseman, C-H-E-E-S-M-A-N Park, and the graves are under the Greek Pavilion on the east end of the park and extend south to 8th Avenue. So don't be spending the night there, if I was you. Okay, why should you watch these movies? Well, I don't think it's necessary to watch all of them. If you really just want a taste of this franchise, just watch the original one. Uh, the other ones aren't horrible. I've seen much worse, for sure, in terms of uh, movies in a franchise. So um, the second one, also pretty creepy with a uh, cane chasing Carol Ann around. So... Anyway, if you got to watch one, just watch the first one. Despite its age, like I said, the pacing is still pretty good. It holds up pretty well. The tech, of course, is old. And I would be interested to see how many young people today know that there was a time when the TV went off the air each night and it concluded with the playing of the Star Spangled Banner. I bet that's very uh, strange for any kids watching it now. A uh, good part about these movies is the special effects, obviously really good, still hold up pretty well, and the actors are all great, and they make you really care about the family. Uh, this is where, well, let me just start with the classic lines from this series. So the first one probably that people know is, they're here, which Carol Ann says, and that's when the Entity comes out through the TV set when they're all asleep one night and into the wall. And she's been talking to them for a little while before that. Another saying that's very popular is, stay away from the light, children. And that is from Tangina. Um, 
I used to say that to my brother when we were young. Stay away from the light, children. And, uh, <laughs> of course, that freaked him out a little bit. Um, this movie is also credited with people being afraid of houses built on cemeteries, which is a really bad idea. And also, it is credited with a lot of people of a certain age being afraid of clowns. I'm not afraid of clowns. I just don't like clowns. And so this probably started that for me. And also, uh, John Wayne Gacy um, sealed the deal for me in that I don't trust any clowns. Sorry. Sorry, people who are clowns or like clowns. Recipe. Well, if you watch Poltergeist like I did when it originally came out, you're obviously of a certain age and you remember TV dinners as a kid. They were always a treat at our house. The original TV dinner was from Swanson's. They developed them back in 1953. However, the concept was not new. In 1944, William Maxson's frozen dinners were being served on airplanes. In 1952, Quaker State Foods was also marketing dinners, and it appeared that Swanson, though, was the first one to mass market the product and call it a TV dinner and tie it in with the relatively new media of televisions. Uh, if you remember, TV dinners originally came in an aluminum tray, and you pop them in the oven. In 1986, the Campbell Soup Company, which I think owned Swanson's at that time, made a tray that was microwave-safe. And that's what we use now. Swanson's is now owned by Conagra Brands. And though we don't call them TV dinners anymore, I still like them a lot. I have a number in my freezer. And... The popular brands today include Lean Cuisine, Hungry Man, Stouffer's, Tyson Banquet, Smart Ones, Marie Callender, Healthy Choice, etc. Where to find us? We're on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please give us a five-star rating. We need all the help we can get. We're also on Twitter at Food and Fright. Contact us by email at foodandfright at gmail.com or check out our website at foodandfrighteningfilmfanatics.podbean.com. So that's it for this week. Um, I will say that if you happen upon a house that's built on a cemetery or an ancient Indian burial ground, definitely stay far, far away from it because no good's going to come of that. Also, uh, my suggestion is stay away from clowns. Okay, have a great week. We'll talk to you later.